Now, I really appreciate y'all coming to this 4 p.m. service. I'm glad that you're here for this. And I'm just going to point this. I know we're not live streaming this in the afternoon. I know we record the sermon. We can start that in a minute. But you need to understand that song was not in the 1030 service, okay? Lee Taylor finished writing that between the 1030 service and the 4 o'clock service, all right? So coming to the 4 p.m. service, you get stuff that you don't get at 1030, First of all, the, the smooth sounds of Lee Taylor, and second of all, uh, I'm sure the sermon inspired those great words to, to come out there. So thank you, Lee. I so appreciate Lee Taylor. It's been one of the joys of my ministry to serve here with him and to get to work with him. We take him for granted. Uh, well, you, can, you know when he's not here, and we feel the difference. So we so appreciate Lee Taylor. Thank you, brother. We thank God for you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're in the midst of a sermon series that we have entitled, Being Made New. And the idea behind this sermon series is this, that the world around us is so crazy right now. And we can't control what happens in our country or in our capital or even the things that happen in our own community. But as Christians, we do have some control over our response to all the craziness in which we find ourselves at the current time. So in this sermon series, we're asking questions like this. We're asking questions like, how can I become all God wants me to be in the midst of all this craziness where I find myself at the current time? We're asking questions like that in this sermon series. We're asking questions like, how can I get to the place where I am being made new, hence the name of the sermon series. And if you haven't been with us or you just forget, like me sometimes, we have learned that in order to be made new biblically, in order for that to happen biblically, there are at least four concepts that you need to know. And if you've been here with us, maybe you can name them. You know them already. That's great. The first one, you need to know about your flesh. You need to know about the flesh. We saw this in Romans chapter 7. Paul, some translations refer to it as the sinful nature. Paul called it sin living in me. We've learned that it is vestiges, traces of the old person we were before we were made new in Christ Jesus. And we have learned that that part of us that has not yet been made new, that part of us that is being made new, that that flesh within us wages war against us when we try to do anything godly, when we try to do anything spiritual. It fights being made new. So you need to know that being made new is going to be a fight. Because of your flesh, because of sin living in you, it's going to oppose being made new. That's the first thing you need to know. Your flesh fights being made new. Number two, if you're going to be made new, you need to know about God's law. Because God's law shows us what being made new should look like. God's law is the target. God's law is the end, what we're moving toward. That's what being made new should look like. It should be a reflection of what God describes in his word. Because he made us and he made the world that we live in, so he knows what it would look like. He knows which parts are broken and need to be changed and which parts still reflect his image. And so in order to be made new, we need to know God's law because it shows us what it means to be made new. Number three, to be made new, you need to know about our new heart. 
Our new heart, Romans 7 and verse 22, tells us that we delight in God's law. That's what our new heart does. Our new heart gives us the desire to be made new. It gives us the desire to do what is right. And when we come to Christ, he takes away our heart of stone. He gives us a heart of flesh. And so our new hearts give us the desire to be made new. Number four, you need to know about the indwelling spirit, right? The indwelling spirit is what gives us the power to be made new. That's what enables us to walk in God's ways is his spirit in us, putting to death our flesh that fights against being made new and growing the fruit of the spirit in us that we might more and more look like Jesus. And so those are the four things that we've said we've got to get a grasp on these things if we're going to be made new because the flesh fights against being made new. God's law shows us what it looks like to be made new. Our new heart gives us a desire to be made new. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to be made new. And we've looked at these things. The indwelling spirit, we had a whole sermon on that in in Romans chapter 8, our new heart, we had a whole sermon on that out of Jeremiah. And now we're up here at the flesh, and we're really taking a hard look at the flesh. We had an introductory sermon that covered all these on Romans chapter 7. But last week, we started focusing on our flesh. And we began to say that if we can see how our flesh leads us into sin then our hope is by observing how the flesh works and how it leads us to sin and how it opposes our being made new, then we are able to better fight against our flesh. We're better able to overcome our flesh and live, as Romans 8 says, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So last week, we started focusing on the flesh for that reason, and we looked at James chapter 1. And we saw in these two verses how our flesh leads us into sin. And so we looked last week, and we said, first, we are lured. Verse, James 1 and verse 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured. And so we said, listen, that is an attack on our minds. That the way we are set up to work is that our mind is the watchman or the gatekeeper. And our mind discerns, is this right? Will it please God? Is it consistent with God's law? And we saw in Romans 8 and verse 5 that the way we live not by the flesh but by the Spirit is to set our mind on spiritual things. So the way the flesh works, as described here in James 1, he uses this fishing or this hunting analogy that our mind is lured away, that we're distracted, that our minds are... Uh, are, are um, What's the word I'm looking for? That our minds are drawn away or distracted from spiritual things. And with the watchman gone, the flesh goes to work. The second step, verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So we said this enticement is something that is aimed at our affections. That what our mind is set on, then our affections begin to desire, that we long for, that we cling to those things that we set our mind on. And so next week, we're going to focus on our desires, our affections, and how the flesh affects that. We'll look at that next week. In two weeks, we'll look at this next step. Then desire, when it has conceived, we'll look at desire conceived, which we said is an act of our will. 
that when our minds get distracted and our affections begin to lead us to desire something, uh, to cling to something, that our will will follow that. And we decide to move towards something, to take action towards that thing that we've set our, our affections on. So desire conceived is an act of our will. And we'll look at our will in two weeks. And then, of course, that leads to sin, giving, gives birth to sin, and sin brings death. Today, we're going to look at this first step, our minds. Each person is tempted when he is lured, when our mind drifts away, when it's drawn away from spiritual things. And one of the classic texts on our mind and our mind being transformed and our mind being made new is Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. There are folks who say, you know, Christians, you just have this faith, and you don't use your mind. And that's not true. As Christians, we are called to use our minds. And we're called to have faith, but it's not a blind faith. We have a faith in something, in a body of truth. And so there is this content that we take into our minds that transform us. And Romans 12 talks about that. So I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. I'll pray for us, and we'll talk about our mind and how the renewing of our mind helps us to overcome our flesh. So uh, hear now God's word, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you set out for us how our mind can be transformed and how we can discern your will. You show us how we can be made new. I pray that you would make it real to us, that you would make it practical to us, that you would help us to apply these things to our lives. And I pray that you'd help us to do that even now, that you would do it even through the sin-stained lips of a foolish preacher. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God wants Christians to be made new. He wants us to be transformed. And he tells us that here through the Apostle Paul, where he urges us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which allows us to discern the will of God, so we see what being made new should look like, so we can walk in his ways. But of course the question is, how do we do that? What does that look like? How do we do that in the demands of everyday life? As we lean into the world, as we live and move and have our being, how can we have this transformed, renewed mind that allows us to discern the will of God? So I want to show you two things in the text here that Paul lays out for us. How is it that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which allows us to discern the will of God so we can walk in his ways? How does that happen? Two things. Number one, offer yourself to God instead of conforming to the pattern of the world. That's number one. Offer yourself to God 
instead of conforming to the pattern of this world. You see that there in the text, right? The text indicates we are all being formed or fashioned in some way. And the text says we're either being conformed or transformed. Those are the two things that it says, right? The text says that this new formation that is happening, it happens, number one, by being conformed to the pattern of this world. That's one way we're being formed. Or, number two, we're being transformed by a renewed mind that know God's will. So as humans, the text is telling us we're all going to reflect something. We're all going to image something. There is something that's going to become more and more true in our lives. And these two value systems that are forming their image in us will reflect. We will reflect one or the other. Either one, we're going to reflect this world if we conform to it. Or number two, God's will if we're transformed by a renewed mind. Now let me just point out that these two value systems that are at work within us, one trying to conform us, one trying to transform us, that these two value systems could not be more different. There are huge differences between what this world wants us to be and what God's will is for us. There's a huge difference between the spirit of this age and God's spirit forming Christ in us. There's a huge difference. Just think about that with me for a moment. Things as basic as what is the purpose of life? What gives us significance in life? What is the meaning of life? What is the origin of life? These two value systems give vastly different answers to those questions. Questions like how do we measure greatness? How do we measure success? How do we respond to evil? What is evil? Does evil even exist? These two value systems give different answers to questions like, where is truth found? Does truth exist? The things that we deal with on a daily basis that impact us very directly, these two value systems are forming us in a different way when you talk about money, when you talk about sex, when you talk about gender, when you talk about family systems, when you talk about authority, when you talk about government, these two systems are at odds with one another. And listen, I know, as I talk to people, the spirit of this age is we do not like to be put into a box. And listen, there, in this world, there is less and less that is black and white. There is more and more that looks gray to me. I thought, uh, I thought Lee's song conveyed that really, really well. But this is one of those times that it's black or white. <laughs> this is one of those times that the text says we're either being conformed to the pattern of the world or we're being transformed by a renewed mind that knows God's will. Those are the two options. Those are the two things that are at work trying to form us, to have us reflect one of those two things. So let me just ask you, which is forming you more? What's having a bigger influence on you? What's applying more pressure to you? 
Which one are you reflecting more and more? The pattern of the world? Or God's will for his people? Which one, to use the language of the text, are you offering yourself to? Are you presenting yourself to? Which one are you offering yourself to more often? I have to tell you, as we think about that question, that one is easier than the other. It's not hard to conform to things. What do you have to do to conform to the pattern that the world is traveling anyway? You just go with the flow. You just blend in. You just do what everybody else is doing. We talked in the men's study on Hebrews, what do you have to do to drift? You don't have to do anything. You just do nothing. And the current of the culture, the flow of the pattern of life takes you along with it. It's not hard to conform. It's easy. You can just do nothing and you will be conformed, squeezed into the pattern of this world. But to offer ourselves to God, <laughs> that's hard. That's difficult. To fight against the flow of the culture. To stand up against the flow of where things are going. To not follow the pattern of the world. That's hard. That's why Paul has to urge us to do that. That's why he says, I urge you to offer yourselves to God and not be conformed to the pattern of this world. He's using priestly language here. And these folks would be thinking about the priests who made sacrifices every day. They took living things and killed them over and over and over again to make sacrifice to God. And Paul says, like those priests, what I'm calling you to do is to make sacrifices. But these sacrifices he's calling us to make are not made in a temple. They're not made in a synagogue. They're not made in a church. Like the priests, we offer sacrifices. But the sacrifice is us. Moment by moment, day by day, we make sacrifices. We die more and more to ourselves and live more and more Unto Christ Jesus, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. And Paul is calling the people of God to be a living sacrifice to over and over again. Make these decisions to die to ourselves and live the way God would have us to live. These sacrifices are made not just one time during the week or the month or the year at the synagogue. But the sacrifice is made wherever we are, wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we play, wherever we live and move and have our being. We offer or present all areas of our life to God. There's a whole sermon in here on worship. Let me just say this. That our worship is not pleasing to God if it's done only here at church, or only at home, or only in our hearts. Our worship of God must express itself in bringing glory to God in all areas of our life. And that is hard. That is difficult. Giving God 100% of all I am, 
100% of all I have, 100% of the time. That's hard. And our flesh fights against our doing that every step of the way. So how do we do that? How do we offer ourselves to God instead of conforming to the pattern of this world? How does that happen? I want you to see the second thing Paul says, and it actually comes first. Notice he doesn't just say, offer yourself to God, that's your spiritual act of worship, and don't conform to the pattern of this world anymore. That's not all he says, right? There's something he says before that. What does he say? He says, therefore, I urge you, in view of the mercy of God, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That, and that introductory phrase is important. We've learned that when you see therefore, you have to ask, what is it therefore? And literally, Paul for 11 chapters has been detailing the mercies of God. Literally here, mercy is plural. In view of God's mercies over and over again, the mercy he has shown to people. And Paul's been unpacking that. Detailing how God shows his mercies to undeserving sinners in giving his son to die. In justifying us freely based on our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross alone. That God has demonstrated his love and mercy for us in sending the Holy Spirit into our hearts to apply the finished work of Christ to us in convicting us of sin, in empowering us to walk in his ways, in adopting us into his family. All of that's based on the mercy of God. He's talked about how we were powerless, ungodly, sinners, his enemies. And when we were in that state, he gave his son for us. And we must view God's mercy in order to offer ourselves to God and not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, now, why that order? Why does he say that? How is it that viewing the mercies of God enables us or helps us to offer ourselves to God and not conform to the pattern of this world? What's the relationship? How does that work? Let me answer that because this is very important, okay? Here's why. The only way you will ever trust God enough to offer yourself to him is if you first see his mercy and grace and love for you. That's why. You see, we've all sinned and been sinned against it different ways, and there are different ways we don't trust God. I'm not going to give all that I have and all that I am to him. I don't know what he might do. might send us to Africa to be missionaries. He might have me change my career. Maybe I'm practicing law and he's going to send me to seminary. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to sell out to him. Who knows what he may do? And we give a little bit of ourselves to God. We give a little bit of our time to God. We give some areas of our life to God and hold others back. Because we don't fully trust him. We don't know what he may do. But when we begin to view the mercies of God... <laughs> When we begin to see his heart of love toward us, when we begin to see that he wants to make us all that he created us to be, when we begin to see that, yo, I want to live my best life now, I want to be the best, best version of me that I can be now, but when I begin to see God wants that more than I want that, that I'll make poor decisions, that I will cheat myself, 
that I don't even have a clear idea of what the best me looks like. And I begin to see God and his mercy and his grace loves me and cares for me and is faithful to me, even in my unfaithfulness. That God wants me to be the best that I possibly can be. When I begin to see that, when I really begin to see that and believe that, then I can trust him to offer myself to him. Knowing that whatever he calls me to do, whatever he has for me, is the best for me. And I begin to discern that God's will for me, what does the text say? That his will for me is good and pleasing and perfect for me. You may be here tonight and you're saying, hey, I want to be made new. I want to be transformed. How does that happen? Number one, view the mercies of God. You've got to start there. And when you see his heart of love for you and you see all that he has done, not just say that he loves you, how he has demonstrated his own love for you, Romans 5 says, then you're able to, number two, begin to do the hard work of offering yourself to God instead of conforming to the pattern of this world. It is so much easier to follow the pattern of the world. Nobody questions that. It's so much easier. Oh, but God's will for you is so much better. And as I begin to walk in his ways and see his faithfulness more i begin to trust him more and i begin to walk in his ways more and as i do that more and more i'm transformed i'm made new and all of that begins with viewing the mercies of god if you're here today and you're saying look i'm having trouble surrendering to offer myself to god then hear the word it doesn't start with offer yourself to god it starts with in view of god's mercies offer yourself to God. Maybe you're here today and say, you know, I do that some. There are parts of my life. There are times that I offer myself to my God, but I have trouble doing that consistently. I have trouble doing that day by day and moment by moment. The answer to that is moment by moment, day by day, you need to view the mercies of God. You need to see his will for you in those areas that you have trouble trusting him with so that you're better able to to trust him with all the areas of your life. So let me just ask you, do you view the mercies of God? Is that something you make a habit of doing? Is that something that you fight to do? How often do you do that? Do you work to see the mercies of God? Listen, if you do nothing, if you don't fight to see the mercies of God, you will drift. You will conform to the pattern of this world. That's just what we fall into. But to be transformed, to be made new, we must regularly, intentionally, consistently view the mercies of God. So let's commit ourselves to doing that. Let's make our Tuesday morning women's study that we talked about earlier, our Wednesday night men's study and women's study, our community groups, our D groups, let's make those places that we remind each other of the mercies of God, of how he's at work in our lives, how he's been good to us. Let's, as Romans 8 and verse 5 says, let's set our mind on spiritual things so that we might be transformed, so that together we might be made new. Let's pray and ask God to do that in our midst. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. 
<laughs> we read it and it sounds so easy. Just view the mercies of God and offer yourself to God. Don't conform to the world. And we leave here, Father, thinking we can do that. Father, we confess now we can't do that. Unless you come and you work in our hearts, we cannot do that. Father, help us to fight the flesh. Show us your mercy. Open our eyes and help us to see it all around us in everything that we do and say and see. Give us a new heart that desires to walk in your ways. Father, send your spirit to indwell us, to empower us, to see your mercy and to offer ourselves to you. Please come and do that for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.